God sees us and he, he loves us. We matter to him, even if we don't matter to the people we want to matter to or something like that. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker. Today, we are going to talk about how to reconnect with our spirituality with writer Bumi Latitude. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker is here. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. I feel so glad that you have hit play today, that you hit download, that you stuck your headphones on to listen to this interview. You are going to be glad you're here today. You know, we're in the middle of a series called For the Love of Reconnecting, which just felt really important here at the beginning of 2021, the work of reconnecting to each other, to ourselves, to God, which is where we're going to be today. Because I'm going to tell you something. I know that we're here at the beginning of the year and we're supposed to kind of feel like, here we go, fresh start or whatever. But I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I'm tired. I'm tired of being in this house. I'm tired of not seeing my people. I'm tired of my work shrunk down to just a pinpoint. I'm tired of life being whittled down to whatever I can see on my laptop. I'm tired of sometimes just being brave, 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 brave all the time. Cause I don't feel that way all the time. And so when I say let's work on reconnecting with God on reconnecting with faith or with our spirituality, I don't mean that in some Pollyanna way that says, if we just say the right words or do the thing, it's all going to just feel miraculously better overnight. When I invite all of us to plug back into who we are and whose we are and who we were made to be. I say it to my beloved, but tired siblings, you, so that we can reach toward a faith that means something that matters. My guest today, oh man, what a conversation, you guys. She's actually someone I've wanted to talk to on the show for a very long time. I told her we have tried to get you on here because I've admired her from afar this is a woman and she is very frank and candid today. You're going to hear all of this, but she spent a long time grappling and wandering in the dark and she's come out in a really beautiful place. She went through it like quite a journey to reconnect to God and just her own spirit and how beautifully she is loved. And she is a really good guide for this conversation today. My guest is Bumi Latitan. You might know her as the face behind the honest toddler. That was my first introduction to Boomy because she is rip roaring funny. She's an incredibly accomplished woman, a very talented writer, and across genres. Honest Toddler is just satire at its best. And she's written fiction and she's written poetry. And She's just written a beautiful book that we're going to talk about today. You're going to love it. I want to tell you, it's not like a stereotypical faithy kind of book like that, but you'll understand that pretty quickly as we start talking about it. But it's called Dear God, Honest Prayers to a God Who Listens. She opens up entirely about how she has wrestled with God and faith and all kinds of faiths, loss and grief and homelessness and years where she felt alone and confused and how she got to where she is today, which is genuine and sincere. I just wouldn't put somebody in front of this community who wasn't. I just wouldn't. Not on something as 
important is this? Not when so many of us have been hurt by religion, have been hurt by so-called spiritual people in our lives and this matters too much. And so I think you will feel encouraged and hopeful. I think you will feel seen today in this conversation. I just couldn't be more pleased to bring you Boomy and this conversation as you and I kind of grab hands and wrestle forward. So happy she's here. Please enjoy this conversation. I am utterly delighted, Boomy, to have you on the podcast. I was just telling you before we started recording that I've wanted you to be on the show for a couple of years. We've tried. And so I'm just such a fan of you and I'm so happy to meet you today. Thank you so much. I'm happy and honored to be here. I was like, I didn't even know. I didn't know. Sometimes my my publisher or whatever, if they can tell I'm in a weird place, they just like don't bring things. Or I'm like, I'm not doing anything this year. <laughs> I just sit in my house. I know. <laughs> I just I just need everybody to be like a wall around me. I don't need to, nothing gets in. Nothing gets in. I've had those exact seasons. So I'm happy that I, I've found a breach in the armor for this episode. I'm so glad to have you here. So I've told my listeners a little bit about you. I've kind of high leveled who you are and what your work is, but I wonder if here at the beginning, you could talk a little bit more about who you are and even particularly what life looks like for you and your family right now in this weird moment that we're all sharing in the world. Man, this is craziness. This is like some weird, isn't it? weird, book weird but it's too even too weird for a book you know nobody would buy this it'd be like too many things are happening make that more realistic make it plausible my name's boomy laddington i live in quebec canada that's french canada it exists it's a thing that we live in and i live um, outside of montreal we have really good baguettes here Excellent, excellent bread situation that we live in. Thank God for the French. <laughs> oh my God, I have a baguette right here. I always have a baguette nearby. I'm holding one oh, up. That's a, you really are. Oh, that's amazing. It's just right there on your desk. That's <laughs> hilarious. I have a baguette nearby, you know, like snacking baguette. It's fantastic. You never know when you're going to need one. Okay, so we're in quarantine. Well, not in quarantine. That's not the right word. We're living through this pandemic, all of us, and it's so weird but it's gotten to this place where it's normal weird yep, which here. is even scarier because i'm like okay is this gonna just like be our new life yeah, I know. you know two of my kids school at home so the younger two i i just kept at home because i figured you know it, it was gonna be too hard for them with the new regulations i knew it would be so i just kept them home and and we do school here quote unquote school here doing my best <laughs> I've got one in, one virtual learning only. It's just such a dumpster fire. I know. I can't even, like my daughter who's in school, my freshman, this morning she was like, all you ever talk to me is about school and passing doesn't even matter to my real life. I'm like, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Because it does. All right? Because it does. It actually does. And she's like, Generation different. I mean, whatever, man. I'm like, well, let's just, we repeat the grade, then we do. So, all then right. Then we do. Gosh. Repeat it as a family, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, but I don't want to be another freshman year. I've already had five freshmen 
I'm done. No. I'm, that's my You're last done. one. Like the door needs to be closing behind her all the way up. I know. Need to move up to level up. Thank you. To sophomore Thank year. You. I know. I know how you don't want to see any more pre-algebra, algebra. You don't want to see any more of that. Zero. You don't want to see it anymore. I don't. I don't want to do biology again. I don't want to. We're not doing it because every it's just, everything they do, you do. Thank you. We do it. Thank you. The dioramas. Yeah. With the marshmallow, everything they do, we do. The poster right. boards. That's right. I don't want. I'm really. I don't want to buy another poster board either. I don't want to do any of that. Me neither. We need to move on. I got second Whether place in the science fair. No. I don't want to be in it again. I don't want to do it again. Yeah, I know. Same. They're not even, these aren't even real projects, first of all. These science fair projects aren't even real projects. They're not even science. Like, they can just, like, stop with all of this. Like, just let it be done. <laughs> like, this is science. Just stop the charade. Out. Like, we're on to it. So, I am really excited to talk to you about some of your most recent work because I feel so connected to it and I identify so much with what you're putting out into the world right now. This is a very loaded question. We could just do a whole podcast series here alone. But if you would, as we kind of steer into this conversation, I wonder if you could give us sort of a high level view of your faith journey, because it's kind of been a long and a winding road to get to where you are today. And and I have a community with a lot of long and winding roads among us. And so this is really kind of shared experiences and I'm excited for everybody to hear it in your words. Okay. So my faith journey has been absolutely insane. It went from me as a kid growing up in a religious house and growing up in a religious house is, well, my kind, cause it was the very strict kind, you know, very, very strict. And then there were lots of issues because my parents had immigrated from Nigeria And so they're struggling immigrants. Um, We went through a lot of poverty where we depended on the kindness of strangers and like charities who would give gifts and give like, remember when Thanksgiving, this church brought over this whole box of Thanksgiving dinner, just made our Thanksgiving, we're going to have one. They hadn't done that. And so there was a lot of anger in our home too, frustration. I know my dad was very frustrated, just not being able to make it. And also coming from Nigeria to United States, as a black man, I think he, he really got culture shock from how he was treated here. Because if you've been raised around like other Nigerians, like your skin color is not a big deal. And here, all of a sudden, he was in um, university. I have this degree and, you know, I dress the right way. I'm not sagging. It's kind of like this, oh, respectability thing. So he thought he would be above the racism. He experienced so much of it in the workplace. You saw people get promoted. And even it was very blatant. And I think that kind of threw him into a depression, which manifested as a lot of anger. So there was a lot of anger in the home and just, it was really kind of tumultuous. And I ended up leaving home at 16 and lived with friends for a while, lived outside for a while, <laughs> living outside, you know, because they call that homelessness. But wow. when you're, the thing about being homeless is like, you don't really think about homeless. You think of yourself during the day, you're not really homeless. I was just walking around. You feel like everyone else. It's only at night when everyone else starts to go home and you're like, Let's figure something out, <laughs> you know, that it becomes like, that was all, always the hardest part. It's like at 5, 6 p.m. when everyone else is starting to go home, even friends, so I would still hang out with friends. And it's like, well, you know, I would sleep in like this, like abandoned car. And, and for a while, even as an adult, I would always be looking around and, you know, if crap hits the fan, where would we sleep? Wow. And because I, you know, stay away from police, you stay away from people don't like to see homeless people. So how old were you then? 
I was 16, 16, when you 17. were homeless. Yes. Wow. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. But then I, I started living with a friend, a friend of the, well, not a friend of the family, but my friend who her mom let me stay with them. And so I, I stayed with them for I think almost a year or so. And it's kind of going to school sometimes, not going to school other times. But I wanted to go to school, but dealing with so many things at home and just trying to have a life is, I would go and I would stay around until like noon and then I would just walk around. You know, sometimes I would look for things to sell, like different just items, like sell to a pawn shop or a secondhand store and things like that. And so God wasn't even on my radar because I was just like, if religion was real, people who were religious would be different. And I remember even the church that I went to as a kid, some of them knew the things that were going on in my house didn't do anything. So I'm like, well, see, can't trust any of them. Nobody cares. It's all about their services and all about their events and their picnics. They don't really care about the individual people. So it, did, it didn't mean anything to me. And I wasn't angry even at religion. I wasn't. It just meant nothing to me. I saw it as something people do for fun or for whatever reason they do it. I met my boyfriend who became my husband, who's Jewish. His family wasn't very religiously Jewish, but they were like, they didn't go to synagogue like ever or anything, but they went for the high holy days and but it was still very important to them. It's, it's important when, you know, his, his grandmother, who she was like the only person left after the Holocaust and their family. So it was extremely important. They didn't make me or anything, but once I started like reading about Judaism, I just, loved it it just felt like a religion that not even like a religion it felt like a people and a faith and someone was telling me she was like saying maybe because you didn't feel like you had family this was your new family and I was like yeah that was probably it and Judaism's not a religion where they try to go out and find people or get people or it didn't feel like it had the judgment like you had to be perfect or something, you know? And so I, I studied for years and eventually went through the conversion process. And, you know, I, I wanted our family to have one faith, something where we could have our own traditions. I knew it wouldn't be Christianity because that still stung too much. It stung. I mean, I couldn't even think of that. That was the place I came from, you know? No. I, how would I tell this to my kids, you know? Jesus loves you. It doesn't mean anything to me. If he loved me, why didn't he help me? <laughs> Who is that? You know, Jesus is, I guess he's for other people. He was for better people, the good ones. Maybe he likes the good ones. And so we moved to Montreal, ended up splitting up. And, and at that point I was like, oh, well, I'm not doing this faith anymore. <laughs> I just felt like everything let me down in terms of faith. So I really, at that point began to just wander and I kind of looked at everything. But what really attracted me was more kind of paganism. There's a lot of, I don't know what you call it, but like ancestral kind of worship in, in Nigeria, like more like indigenous. It felt, you know, about nature, which I always love nature. Nature is safe. But then it also had this other side where it was about getting what you want, finding a way to get what you want, almost like using the spiritual as, oh, I don't even know how to say it, but as a wishing well, yeah, I guess. Sure. And you have to give things to get things, make offerings and all of these kinds of things. And I started doing it. And I think that was the beginning of 
the darkest period of my life. Is that right? Yes. Then I just started looking at religions. I was reading everything. Oh my gosh. I was reading a lot of Deepak Chopra and reading a lot of all kinds of books. And I just, every religion that I would study, I don't know why I'm this type of person, but I just have to become it. I have to like live it. And I live it and <laughs> and then I would study and then I would see some things like, oh no, this isn't, no, I I just had to study it very deeply. And I would just say, this isn't, no, this isn't for me. And I couldn't find anything, couldn't find anything. And my life at the same time was just spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. But I was still this persona online, except still, I think to everyone else, I have this outward success, but inside, I think it's chaos, pure chaos inside. Finally, I get to the point where everything's just, I'm just in a depression and I'm just realizing, okay, I can't, I came to the end of myself. I don't have the power and resources to like just live. I don't know what it is. I came to the end of my own strength, basically. And at that point, I I felt the presence that I'd always felt around me, which I now know is God. I felt that presence reminding me of when I was in the synagogue, holding the Torah at my conversion ceremony. And I, not in words, but I just felt him say, like, I saw that, you know, I saw that, like that covenant you made with me. I saw, and I never even, because at the time, even when I was joining Judaism, it was never about religion or God. It was about culture. So when I felt this presence bringing this to my mind, I saw you. I'm like, saw me? Like, what? Yeah, wow. First of all, why would God even be paying attention to me? Because I thought he had forgotten me a long time ago or, you know, kind of said it and forget it. Like I was one of those casserole dishes or something. So then I, I was like, okay, all right. And I, w- I went to the synagogue. And it was a Friday night, way after Shabbat services had finished, maybe around 8 p.m., which in the winter, because the sun sets so sure. early. It's like midnight. It's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah it's like midnight. Yeah. <laughs> and I just went to a synagogue and I just went in front of the Torah and I just prayed. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. Like I give my life to in your hands, basically, to God. And then as I did that and I started reconnecting to Judaism. I'm like, okay, because my kids this whole time, I had Jewish traditions with them. I mixed a little bit of like, you know, because everyone's doing Christmas. Okay, we'll do some Christmas, you know, kind of a thing. But they, I didn't really have them go on the same journey I went, thank goodness, because it would have like driven them absolutely insane. But for them, it was like, oh, mommy's making challah again, you know, on, on like, it's just the Jew, like the braided bread that we have on a Friday. And so I'm like, yeah, so I'm making challah and like doing these things. But I don't know, because I read so much about Jesus as I studied religion and for Christianity I knew okay this is called the son of god okay I don't get it but okay and in Judaism Jesus is this good little Jewish boy who kind of you know maybe got a little bit of an ego trip at one point had some friends and they wrote a bunch of fan fiction about him the new testament and it got out of control a lot of them tried to kill us you know at different times but definitely not the son of god just like a Jewish kid who went off, uh, you know, one day and day and night over like a, a couple days, I was asking God, okay, so who is Jesus? Like, I'm just curious, you know, because now I know I can talk to God and I, you know, I can pray and, and he's listening. Apparently he's watching me. Apparently that's what he's doing. <laughs> so I said, who is he? Cause I want to know if, 
if he's someone important, I would like that information. And so I went out on my patio. I was just looking outside, just like looking out there. I don't even know why I went out there. And I felt a presence behind me. And (laughs) it was nuts. It was like the kindest, most loving presence I'd ever felt. I didn't know what kind was or love was. That became apparent to me. Because you know how when you see something, it can also tell you what you're not seeing, you know, like, like if you've had really good bread, you're like, oh, I've never really had bread before, yeah, you know, you totally. can't have that bread. So behind me was the kindest, I knew there was someone there, not like a person, because that would have been scary, but the kindest, most loving presence, but also powerful, which wasn't my experience. Cause in my life, whenever someone had power, it wasn't kind necessarily, no, it actually never was kind or loving, but this was like this power that wasn't trying to hurt anyone and power that wasn't going to assert itself on me. I could tell it was just there. He was just there. And the love and the kindness, I just wanted to, the kind of love that when you feel it, you just want to run into it and stay forever. And I knew, I knew who it was. I knew that it was him. And I, I use the word Yeshua, which is his Hebrew name, you know, because we, but any, I, it doesn't matter what you call him. I know it doesn't, I'm not one of those people who are like, you you know, and so, and I knew it was Yeshua. I knew it was him. And at that moment, my answer, my question was answered. He doesn't have to say anything when he's there, you know, who he is like, he doesn't have to announce himself. He doesn't like, yeah, he, he just did. Yeah. And so it's so hard for me. I feel like when I'm writing, I, I, I just love to describe things as well as I can. But when I start talking about spiritual things, it's so difficult. My words don't, they're not enough. And so at that moment I knew and I was like, oh, okay, okay. So hello, like nice to meet you kind of a thing. A new year is always a great time to discover new things about ourselves and find wonder in the world around us. And it's just as important for kids to make these discoveries too. With a KiwiCo subscription, your kid can discover something new all year long. Every single month, KiwiCo will send a super cool hands-on project right to your front door. It could be themed around science or art or geography. Right now, Your kid may not be able to go to fun places, but you can bring a whoa, awesome experience straight to them with KiwiCo. And listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. KiwiCo isn't just for littles. They have maker crates that are perfect for anyone ages 14 to 104. And there's all kinds of things you can put together. You can make like a cute macrame planter or even a punch needle pillow that you can throw right onto your couch. KiwiCo puts everything you need to make something fun right into this little box. It's the perfect way to de-stress, by the way. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence and creativity and critical thinking skills. There is something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code for the love at kiwico.com. So that's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com, promo code for the love. Twenty twenty one is your time to shine. So focus on what makes you happy, starting with hello, better bras and underwear. And you know where I get mine. 
Third Love, there is a reason I have a drawer full of Third Love bras because they are the most comfortable bras I've ever run. Wearing one right this second. Every Third Love bra is made with memory foam cups, no slip straps, and a scratch-free band. Guys, they have more than 80 sizes with cups from AA to I, including half cups and band sizes from 30 to 48. And Third Love stands behind their products. If you don't love it, exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners 20% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash for the love to find your perfect fitting bra and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. That's a great deal, you guys. So one more time, that's thirdlove.com slash for the love for 20% off today. Okay, back to our show. Yeah, and then so with this book, so this was the weirdest thing. I was planning on writing Confessions of a Domestic Failure too. After I wrote Dear Mother the Poetry, I was like, okay, now I'll go back because I liked fiction. Then I felt like, you know, oh man, you know, like when you feel like you're supposed to do something. And of course, like I know God as a father now, you know, and like Yeshua is my, he's like my brother and, and like King and like just the most loving love um, ever. And so when I feel like I'm supposed to do something, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say no. I, I, I'm not going to, I've gone on my own path before. I know, I know where that ends up. And, but it was very difficult because it, like, like some of my other books, it started as a journal of these prayers and they're personal. And I'm just like, well, God, you know, like, I thought it was going to be me and you, just like us, you know, right. kind of thing. like, why do we have to right, involve other totally. people? Like, they're going to read this. They're going to know me. And then I just got this picture of someone who was like me at the very dark period, struggling with religion struggling and faith because maybe someone's hurt them in the context of faith, which is a deep wound. The spirit, like those wounds are deep or they just don't even know that there's a God out there who loves them so much. And, and he's just like, what if that was still you? And at that moment, it's like, even if I'm writing this book for that one person, it's worth it. Just for that one person. Cause I know how painful it is. Absolutely. To feel completely alone and lost and it's life or death. You know, it's been the fact that I'm still here is, is a miracle. I shouldn't even be here. It's a miracle. I want everybody that that's listening Like, let me give them a little taste. Of course, the book is called Dear God. Like, here are a few of my favorite lines from some of the prayers that you included. Like, okay, everybody, so this will give you a taste. So you wrote, I believe you have a plan, but are you painting a masterpiece with my pain? I really like that question, by the way. But you went on to say things like, you sent your son to die to show your love. That's intense. (laughs) I respect you, but I don't think spiders were your best work. Same. And then (laughs) I love this one. Sometimes all the time, daily, every five minutes, I look at the world and know exactly why you flooded it. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad you like those ones. It's It's, a mix. (laughs) I love it all because it feels exactly like what it is, which is incredibly real and genuine and sincere. It feels very human. It feels like this. You could not manufacture this connection. I read a lot of spiritual work and Sometimes it is so canned 
And it is so formulaic and it comes packaged in that language, that rhetoric, which I know I also, that was my native tongue. So I know all that language and I know the phraseology and the words and the things, the order you're supposed to say it and the ideas that are ubiquitous. And this is none of that. It is just grounded in sincerity. You have in there joy, you have love, you have anger, you have confusion, you have regret, you have demands, you have expectations, you have surprise, you have affection, like you and God on every page of the book have this full relationship. And I don't exactly know how to phrase this question, but I have so much like curiosity around how you built this relationship, this space with God. Cause it's not like some early entry level prayer stuff. Like you're in it, like it's deep waters. And I can't imagine that when you started the process of like reconnecting with your spirituality, with faith, with God, that it just boom was like an instant connection. It couldn't have been. No. What did it look like? How, how did this look? What was oh, this yes. process okay, for you? So, well, first it started with, okay, so I'm, I'm reconnecting to Judaism. You know, he's like, I saw, I saw you made these promises. I remember when I was standing in the synagogue that day and I was so excited because I'd just been waiting and studying and studying. And so I finally went in the mikvah, which is the, it's the ritual bath. You do that first and you go under and you say the blessings. And then I came out and so I'm in the synagogue and I'm just like, I feel, I feel like I was coming home. And I still, I like, I can, I feel like I was coming home. And when he reminded me of that, it started off with, I, this is going to sound weird, but I was watching this, the story of Ruth a lot and it's on YouTube, the whole, the whole movie, but you can buy it too. Um, I hope it's not illegal to watch it on YouTube. I don't know. And I, I just love that. And I wa- must've watched it like 10, 15 times. And it started with that. And just the first thing I had to do is accept that God could want someone like me because I did a stint at a, a Christian university, a very small one. and. I felt very different from everyone there. Everyone, it seems, you know, it always seems like they come from these great homes and, you know, with their mom and dad and like every, like they didn't, they never ran away. They, they've always felt safe and everyone just looked bright and shiny. And I always felt very, very different as much as I wanted to kind of fit in. So the first step was, as I see that God is doing that was what he did was just having me think that he could want me and that he cared about me, not just made me with like some like leftover clay from the other people. It was like, oh, I still have this. I don't want to waste it. Like there, that's booming. Great. Have a good life, you know, or have a whatever life that he actually cared. And there were a lot of nights where I would oh, I, I, I watched a lot of YouTube. <laughs> like, it sounds weird. But I just watched a lot of YouTube. I watched a lot of sermons, you know, from people who I could just feel their love for God. And I would listen to, to podcasts. I would just listen to how people talked about God. And, and then they would back it up with, with words in the Bible that were true. Like, you know, I have plans for you that are good and not evil. And I'm just thinking, oh, he has plans for me, you know? good ones. I can trust him. The idea of trusting just a human is difficult, but someone who's all powerful, I can trust them. Okay. But what about the Holocaust? Did that happen? You know, kind of like asking him all of these questions. And I would, I have 
so many journals where I'm writing these questions and I would feel the same way I feel when I'm going to, to write something, these answers where I felt him talking to me about like free will and about he still does miracles and about, oh, this was the biggest one. There's this mountain city called Sutton and it's on the border of, I think, Vermont and Canada. Maybe it might be New York, but I think it's Vermont. And I go up there to that mountain and like, it's always like my, my place where I go up where if I'm very sad or like just wanting some time to think and it's beautiful year round, it's either snowy or, or just or regular. And there's this little church there, teeny tiny, maybe 15 people, little white church. And one day I, I woke up on a Sunday and knew I was supposed to, I'd only been there like one or two times, knew I was supposed to go there. And it just, this, a series of really strange events just led me there. It's at least an hour away, very, very far, long mountain, mountainous drive. There was this woman and she was talking, she was a guest just for the day. And she was talking about Hosea and the story about Hosea. And he, God tells him to marry this, this prostitute. And she keeps leaving him and having kids with other people. And it's this metaphor for her how Israel was with his, his people with him. I saw that right when she started talking about Hosea and right when I understood that I was the woman in that story and God had been Hosea, that he had never left me, but I had run around chasing other things. And in that moment, I got that. And that's when I saw, and I was like, oh, so you, you, didn't, you didn't leave. And so that was a huge moment. And so from then on, I could talk to him, not as someone who had, abandoned me and someone who had partnered with people who had hurt me, but as someone who had experienced pain from me leaving too, he, he missed me, you know, and that is something that changes every single day, changes how I interact with everyday life. Now when I'm, you know, those days when you just don't feel like anything's working and you don't matter and I have those days all the time and I still know that I'm his and that makes a difference. I, I can be no one else's, but I'm his. That's everything. It's everything. And so he is like, you know, I, I, there's a, the Hebrew word for, for father. It's a more than father. It's this like endearment of like dad, almost it's Abba. And when I talk to him, I, I talk to him as Abba. And so I, I come to him as a child. I can talk to him. You know how our children get so disrespectful. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> yes. they feel safe, yes. you know? They get crazy. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Things that come out of these kids' mouths. It's not even that's about right. cursing. It's just like, oh my gosh, it's dinner. Oh, that, like, oh, and it's like, after the day that I had, uh-huh. <laughs> the fact that you're eating now and you've eaten every single yeah. night, you don't even know what a miracle that is. Like, and you're just like, Ah, you know, and so I come with him with that. Sometimes it's like, ah, like wow, okay. So you know, just totally. I think that's the closest that I have, and I think I'm a very bratty child of God. I'm bratty. I know I am. I just I must be some work, you know, be some <laughs> like work, like. <laughs> I know, but that's what I I appreciate so much is your vulnerability to share that really fully with us as your readers and your community, because the really sterile sort of 
rigid version of what it means to be God's child has left virtually all of us starving. Starving. You know, it's just absolutely Because what does it mean? Like if someone's just saying, okay, you, you know, right. it's usually you're a child of God, so you should behave like this. You're, you're a child of yeah, God, right, so exactly. you should be doing this. You're a child of God, so, mm-hmm. you know. Or he barely likes you. Like, barely. barely. Like, we God for Jesus, because God hates our guts. Hates us. And Jesus <laughs> just made some sort of backroom deal, like, to get right. us over the finish line. He's sick of but, us. You know, we're just Yeah, tolerated. we're being tolerated. Yeah. He's, he's in this room, this beautiful room by himself, you know, just, like, being God and, like, all these angels and everything, but he's not, he's, like, off limits, you know. Jesus is the one. You, and it's not like that at all. He, he has feelings, you know, like, he, he loves us so so deeply and i think about it a lot because you know even though like i'm a believer now it like the whole jesus yeshua concept was very difficult for me to to understand because okay what does it mean son of god and i still i talked to him about it and like you know even when i was praying i'm like so do i pray to god or do i pray to yeshua do I say like, hey guys, like plural, both of you? Are you both? <laughs> hey guys, like, you know, oh, that's like, great. Yeah, sir, and so, you know, I was like, what do I, you know? And so yeah. it, it was like kind of difficult in the beginning for a while there, but mostly it's feelings. And I think with any relationship, I think it would help people if they got back to or if they tried to really pursue the heart of God rather than what everyone has told them, you know, just the That's things people are told. Cause he wants to be super close to you. He wants to be really, really close to you. And I ask him, you know, I ask him in dear God, like, why do you hide yourself? Like, why do you make us have to come look for you in a way? I know that he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anybody. And sometimes, well, not sometimes, I think a lot of times, we have to get through trying to find that love and peace through everything else. And it's just human nature. I feel bad sometimes. Like I came to you literally like my last option. <laughs> like, how does that right. feel? Like, right. I know. Oops. Oopsies. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, Hey guys, you know that, that there's this, there's this meme, like this TikTok thing where someone comes to the door and they're like, Hey, you know, sheepishly. Hey guys, yeah, right. you know, and that's how <laughs> totally. we come to God. We're like, okay, so um, I lost everything. <laughs> um, I tried everything first. You're my last one. and he, it's like the prodigal son, yeah. you know, like um, totally. Like, literally, that dad was waiting for his kid. He was he was looking at the horizon, waiting after this son had taken his inheritance. First of all, disrespectful to ask for it while you're. Dad is still alive. It's like, I don't want this farm life. I'm not about it. I'm not about it, about it. I want to be in the city. Lost it all. Yeah. And, but that's how it is with your kids. Of course you'll have them yeah. back. Of course. Of course, you know? And he's like that. At the window, like yeah. watching, His waiting. love is like that. His love is, isn't like our love. It's not like that. It's not dependent on our love. It's not like our love. It's it's completely, it's so much bigger and he bears so much pain. I know it, seeing us go through things and trying to do it on our own. You know, like when your toddler is, when they're trying to do their car seat by themselves, like they're just figuring it out and you could do it in two seconds. But they're like, no, me, me by myself. And they're like, 
you know, bashing it together. It's just like, oh my gosh. But you let them because, you know, they're learning. They're learning. They're learning. Yep. And it's, it's like that. And he lets us, he'll let us, he's not going to force us, but he's, he's there and he's even helping when we don't even realize it. There's so many times, I mean, besides like saving my life, lots of, there's so many times when I know he's just helped me. I didn't even pray. I didn't ask for anything. I'm like spitting in his direction and he's like, let me help you over this bridge. You know, totally. it's wild. Yeah. Do you know what's saving my life right now? <laughs> Making time to talk to my counselor. I'm serious. I mean, even when it feels hard, even when I don't want to some weeks, I always feel better after I take an hour and talk to her about how to move forward. You can start making time to talk to a counselor today too, with my sponsor, better help, better help matches you with a counselor and you can send them a message anytime and get a really timely and thoughtful response back. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your counselor and you never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Better help is committed to getting you the help that you need. So they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. I want you to start living a happier, healthier life today. So as my listener, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash for the love. So join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash for the love. Okay, back to our show. I love hearing you talk about this and I'm excited for my community to run out and get their copy of Dear God and just immerse themselves in the pages because it's a place to feel like safe and seen, if that makes sense. For those of us who have been on a real spiritual wandering, really disappointed by the establishment, confused by the version of God that we were handed or taught or shunned from either way. And so I find at this point, I'm 46, I only, I only look for spiritual siblings and teachers and leaders who are absolutely like genuine and true like this. That's it. I don't want a single prepackaged idea about God to ever enter my ears again. I don't want it to be fancy. I don't need it to be slick. I don't want it to feel like a formula or a template. If it has a hint of shame in it, no, thank you. That's not God. And so I'm so drawn to you and drawn to the way that you are talking about your spiritual life and what you have discovered and rediscovered. And it's a real gift. Like you're holding up a lantern for a lot of us on a dark path. Thank you. And I understand so that dark path. I'm grateful. Thank you. Yeah, I've I know you do. It. I, I, know I still you do. walk it. I talk about mental health a lot and like anxiety and depression that I, I, I know now I, I've dealt with it since childhood. I, I look back on, you know, how I felt as a kid and how much I just kept inside because I, I knew I was different and my thoughts were different, but it's not, you know, what do you even say? And even still, you know, Sometimes people, I don't know if, I hope people don't think, oh, because I have a relationship with God, like all those things go away. They don't go away. 
You know? Oh no, 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 no. You still live a yes, real human yes. life. Yes, yes. I, I take yeah. medication every day and I, I always will, you know, like, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, you know, and, but the, the difference is now that one, I know I'm held. So that's very comforting on, you know, those nights, you know, everybody has those nights, you know, totally. especially the, the worst kind where you don't know, you just don't know. I know that I'm held and when those voices come in, those like, you're worthless, you're this, those voices that can come into your head, I can tell them, it's like, no, no, I, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Even though if it, it surprises myself when I say it, because sometimes I have a hard time believing it. It's like, you wonder, like, sometimes I feel like I was, you know, maybe I was made with like, you know, like the Dollar Tree, like ingredients. I don't know. Like, you know, like when I can't do the things other people can do, like when the grocery store is so hard, I'm like, uh, loud in there. I'm just sitting in my car for 20 minutes because my anxiety is just like, don't do it. But my list is like, you got to do it. Who else is going to do it? And I can say, just God, please help me. Just help me. I need so much help every single day from him. And he gives it. He does. But sometimes there's like a five minute or like five seconds or like sometimes it's five days and you have to wait, but he will give it. It's not fake. It's not, he does, he does, he does give help. Sometimes it'll be through a person who will just randomly message me. Like the other day, it was just, I was having a, a kind of a hard weekend just this weekend. And my graphic design, well, she's not just graphic, she does all kinds of helping me with stuff. And she lives in South Africa and she messaged me and she said, can I help with anything? You know, you're, you're kind of quiet. And I, I didn't want to ask her. And she even replied to an email for me. Like just those little things. Yes. And I know that's I God that. with her, with her. She even tells me, she's like, I just had a feeling. I just had a feeling. And he'll help. And he's not a bad he. I think that's a lot of things for, especially women, but maybe men too is, you know, males, you know, it's kind of hard. Like, yeah, that's right. You've no, been that's hurt real. By, by, I think men, whether it's like your father or, you know, anyone, I, I think it can be hard to think of, but I know God is not like a, a dude walking around in jeans know that but but just that we use that pronoun and it's in the bible and even with yeshua with jesus a lot of that has been healed with me especially with yeshua knowing that i mean not just knowing but reading about how he treated women they wanted to stone this woman and and he protected her you know and then the first person he revealed himself to was a samaritan woman who nobody Nobody liked her. The reason she was at the well, I learned through like I was watching this this show called The Chosen, because no one they they didn't want to hang out with her. They were mean to her because of of her life and how it turned out. So they 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 see us as the people who feel like they're on the outside and who don't feel like they're matter. They feel like they're alone. They see us. God sees us, and he he loves us. We matter to him, even if we don't matter to the people we want to matter to, or something like that. And so it is very real, and you can talk to him. Three o'clock in the morning, you know, one o'clock. He's always awake. I don't know how he does it. I was like, how's he oh, yeah. always awake? That's wild to me. Uh, yeah, nighttime God is a lifeline for me. Thank God he is awake in the yes. night. That's where my worst Can you imagine are. if he like so... went to sleep and he had to wait? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, I need him hard at like about 3.30 no. a.m. That's the moment where I'm like, please yes. help me. This is incredible. I have one last question for you before we jump off the call here. And this is just a question that I ask all of our guests in every series. I learned it from a priest who I love and her name is Barbara Brown Taylor. And, and you can answer this however you want. Like we get every kind of answer to this question. And so it can be serious or absurd. 
What is saving your life right now? Oh man, what's saving my life right now? I can't think of any answer other than God. I know that's so cliche. That's okay. I think it's his love in three ways. Like the knowledge of it, because he, he says it. He says he loves me and the feeling of it. And also because I don't know all his ways, you know, there's things that I can't take care of things that I problems I can't fix, but knowing that he can do it and that I, that he's working on things for me because life is so crazy right now. And and I think if I didn't, didn't know I had him not in my corner, but as my corner and side corner and roof and, and everything, I would just be in a ball of fear in like the corner of my house. This is love. And knowing that I don't have to be perfect enough to earn it and to keep it. People, humans, we're, we're different. We come and go sometimes, but he's not going to leave. He said he's not going to leave. And I believe him that he's not going to leave. I believe him, even if I'm not having a good day. <laughs> I love this. Not, not in your corner, but as your corner, I'm not going to forget that. I'm not going to forget that or you or this conversation. Thank you for bringing it all to bear. Like it's a real wonder to watch somebody lay their story out there in front of people and say, I, it's an offering. It's like a gift. And that's how I receive it from you. And I think that's how your readers are going to receive it from you. And thank you for holding the lantern. Oh, it's my pleasure. On what's a dark path for a lot of people. It's my pleasure. And so I'm just, I'm definitely in your corner. Thank you, now Jen. I will let God <laughs> be your corner, but I'm there. I'm in it. And so really proud of you. Oh, really, really proud of you. Thank and you. So can you just really quickly tell people as we go where they can find your work, where they can find you when you decide to be out there? On Facebook, I'm Boomy Laddington, but the the URL is Boomy K Laddington, B-U-N-M-I, like Nancy Mary I. I don't say that. There's BoomyLaddington.com, the website. Yeah, Yeah, I'm on Instagram too. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's perfect. All right. Thank you so much. Sending you love from down here in Texas. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I hope that was as meaningful to you as it was to me. I just heard several things in there that just felt like, like just a balm on a tired heart that God is different. (laughs) He's different. He doesn't love like we love. He doesn't have limits. Like we have limits. He's not afraid. He's not fragile. He loves us so much. I love this conversation and I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time. And I hope you are too. So let's run out and grab dear God. And let those words lead us and comfort us and guide us as we remember that we are deeply and greatly loved and we are never alone and we are always held. Incredible. All right. You can get this entire episode and everything in it over at jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab. We'll have absolutely everything linked. You can find whatever it is that you're looking for. Thank you for listening. Thanks for subscribing. If you haven't already hit the subscribe button and you'll get these episodes uploaded to your phone without having to do any work for it. We're grateful to serve you and can't wait to see you next week. Bye.